0: All right, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and my wife, Sherry, she's joining us tonight. And we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on The Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack. And uh, we'll be in Chapter 18 again tonight. Um, I know that we've been a little hit and miss on Sunday night. We've just have been both just really kind of burned out, really, to be honest with you, with everything that we got on our plate. So thank you for your patience, and we will connect on Sunday nights as often as we can and tonight we're here and just so you know all our teachings and Bible studies are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel Lighthouse Discipleship Center and we also want to say thank you to all those who partnered with us with their ties and their offerings and their contributions and just so you know um, we are a 5163 church here in the U.S. and so if you're in the U.S. all of your tax donations are tax deductible. If you want to know how you can give, you simply go to our website at and You can go to our give page and give them anywhere around the world. And if you'd rather send us a check, (coughs) you can simply write to check out the Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom of every page on our our website, we have our mailing address and you can send us that uh, in that way. So, again, I apologize, we've been hit and miss again on Sunday nights. Uh, We just have been uh, burning the candle at both ends for uh, quite a while now and so we have just sometimes I've just just too simply just too tired on Sunday tonight to do another service um, and so we're hoping that this is just a season and we'll uh, regain some steam as we go but uh, we're in chapter 18 tonight and all of our teachings again all the previous Bible studies you can get the archives on our website and our YouTube channel um, So we're under chapter 18 the title of this chapter is law enforcement we're talking about believers authority we have authority as believers and i know that's not taught very often even the subtitle of this book is what you didn't learn in church and so and so and this is actually the first book or teaching i got (coughs) excuse me from andrew womack when i was introduced to him back in 2009 ish and so uh but as believers, we have authority. We've been talking a lot about in this book so far to study, what defining what authority is and what authority is not. And, and right now we're talking about, you know, we're using the analogy of law enforcement. Because as a police officer, a police officer has to know what authority he has and what authority he does not have. And, and we're going to pick it up mid-chapter. Uh, and so the title of this section is called The Law of Faith. There are three laws that we see in the New Testament. We're not talking about the Ten Commandments. We're not talking about the Levitical law. But there's three laws in the New Testament that you'll see. And you think there's no laws in the New Testament? Well, you need to read your Bible. Because there's the Royal Law of Love. There's the Law of Liberty. And then there's the Law of Faith. And we're going to be talking about the Law of Faith and how it corresponds with this law enforcement. We're not enforcing the Levitical law, the Law of Moses. We are enforcing the law of faith, and and with that, even the law of love and the law of liberty. And so, uh, anyway, uh, you know, we talk about the kingdom of God. Well, if there's a kingdom, there's going to be laws. And the laws are the kingdom of God, and we need to learn how to cooperate with those laws. But anyway, I'm not going to do all the talking. As you can tell, I'm struggling a little bit with uh, talking too much as it is. And so, uh, we're going to let the book to the talking. Sherry's going to read it for us, and then we'll talk more about it
1: you know i know dave's already said you can see previous uh bible studies on our website in the archives uh, but but in case you have been following us you know in chapter 18 andrew and dave were talking about you know how the laws work when you have a police officer you know the natural laws of the land well andrew's talking about the spiritual laws the laws that we as fellow believers can enforce you know that that uh, authority that Andrew's been talking about and a lot of people struggle with understanding that their authority in Christ and they Andrew also talks in the section that we finished the last time we met about a legal binding contract about how God's word that came out of his mouth how that works God's Word is legal and binding it's a contract once he says something it's a done deal and he can't go back on his word he can't he won't there's no way that God can do that so when he said something it's done you know I listened to I believe it was uh, Lawson Purdue on um, uh, Bible class recently and he made the comment if God said it, he meant it. And in the in the context of the class he had brought up where in the word of God it says by his stripes I am healed. And he made that comment if God said by Jesus stripes you are healed, he meant it. There's no other way to be healed. By Jesus stripes you are healed. Done deal. End of sentence, end of story. It's legal and binding. And you know, we've we've been talking about these laws, like Dave explained. It's not the Moses, the the Ten Commandments laws like you see and read in the Old Testament. These are laws in the New Testament. And sometimes Dave or Andrew will liken them to laws like the law of gravity, the law of lift and thrust. Laws that work and they they don't do anything else. The law of gravity works. You can't stop it. It is a law that you can't change. These laws, uh, like Dave was talking about, the law of liberty, the, the royal law of love, and we're gonna be talking about the law of faith, same thing, they, you might not choose to walk in them, but they are laws that cannot and will not ever change.
0: One thing about the, these laws that we're talking about, the law of love and the law of faith and the law of liberty, specifically the law of faith in this uh, study, is the laws that work for everybody, everywhere, every time. You can count on them. There are laws. But it's like the, the law of gravity works for everybody, everywhere, every time. It's not like the law of gravity is working here, but it's not working in Pakistan right now. You know, everyone just happens to be floating around right now. No. Uh are the opposite. You know, it's it's working all over the world, but here in Camarillo, the law of gravity is just not working right now. No, it works for everybody, everywhere, every time. And in one sense, the laws don't work all the time, whether I believe they work or not, you know? I don't have to wake up in the morning thinking, oh no, I forgot to do the law of gravity and floating around. It doesn't work that way, okay? These laws, these spiritual laws, the, the law of faith work for everybody, everywhere, every time. Now, if you don't cooperate with the law of gravity, it can kill you. You know, you just try jumping out an airplane without a parachute. Uh, the law of gravity will kill you if you don't cooperate with the laws. Okay, and so I'm not saying that to secure you. I'm just saying the laws are not they're, not. they're not. They're not playing favorites. Okay, as long as you cooperate with the laws, like the law of thermal dynamics, you can fly an airplane if you learn how to lift and thrust. You can learn how to. You can fly an airplane, and so. You just have to learn how to cooperate with the laws that have been in existence since creation. But it took uh, man uh, several hundred thousand of years to to understand how to to, to fly an airplane, and so uh, but it works, okay. So
1: let's get into the law of faith. So when God speaks something out of His mouth, it becomes a contract, a law. Once He said it. He won't change it. In order to effectively use your authority, you must know what his laws are. When a new police officer is hired, they immediately study what the laws are that they are hired to enforce. Their police chief doesn't say, oh, just go out there without knowing anything and see if it works. Maybe the people will submit. No, that's not their attitude at all. The police officer is thoroughly grilled in what the ordinances and statutes are what is permissible and what's not. Law enforcement officers have to know the law because they can't go beyond it. They can't just do things on their own. A police officer does have authority, but that authority ends at the end of the law. If there isn't a law prescribing what they're trying to enforce, then they can't do it. It's the same in the spiritual realm. You can't just pick and choose according to your own selfish whims. You must know what the laws are that govern the kingdom of God and then abide by them. If you try to enforce something outside of those laws, it won't work. You can't just use your God-given authority to do your own thing. Romans 3 speaks of the law of faith. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Romans 3.27 Faith has a law.
0: There is a law of faith. Okay, and we're going to be talking about that in just more, a little more detail in just a few moments. You know, and again, we just repeated a lot of things that we've already shared. Uh, you know, um, you can't just pick and choose what, how it's going to work. You just have to cooperate with the law of faith. You can't pick and choose how gravity is going to work, how thermodynamics is going to work. You can't, any of these natural laws, you cannot pick and choose how it's going to work. Uh, and so it's it's already a law, and so um, and so there's a law of faith, and you know it's, it sounds like why does it have to be that way? What, one thing I like you know I like it that it's a law because I can trust it. It happens everywhere, every everywhere for everybody, every time, and so I can trust it. I can I can have faith in the law of faith, in a sense, you know because. I know it's going to work every single time if I cooperate with that law every single time in, this, in the way that it, it, it requires for it to, to work beneficially in my life. And so,
1: you know, that's a, a thought that spurred another thought. You know, Dave was saying that you know we can't can't do anything about these laws. They they uh, they, they exist. These you know the law of faith. It works uh, everywhere for everyone every time. But there's something that uh, that occurred to me, which I believe <coughs> is true, is we we might know, say that there's the law of gravity. We see it at work around us all the time. We're experiencing it. We're living it. These spiritual laws, that the law of faith, what we're talking about right now, the royal law of love, the law of liberty. We, If you don't know they exist, if you don't believe in them, if you don't trust in them, like Dave was saying, how is it going to work for you? When you know them, when you're reading God's word and you're believing what God said is true and nothing can change what God says, you believe it with all your heart. These laws will work for you big time. You know, I appreciate Andrew teaching us about believers' authority and bringing out things like the law of faith because if we don't understand it, if we don't know it, if we don't know what we have in Christ as far as our authority, you know, how are we going to go out and do what Jesus told us to do? He told us to go out and heal the sick, to preach the gospel, to, to raise the dead, to heal the lepers, cast out demons. If we don't understand things like the law of faith, we don't understand the authority that we have, and we don't believe it. How are we going to do what Jesus has told us to do? But like Dave said, if the law of faith works for everyone, everywhere, every time. every time. Sorry, my mind just went on a pause. But when we understand, it, it does work. You know, I appreciate that Andrew puts together. The law of faith with explaining kind of like how a, a police officer enforces the law as well as with God's word being legal and binding does not change. Because when we all put that together, uh, that's powerful. That, that just makes everything fall into place.
0: Alright, let's continue on that thought with the subtitle here, Law or Phenomenon?
1: In the physical realm... There are natural laws. Among many others, there is the law of gravity and the law of thrust and lift. A law is something that's both constant and universal. If gravity only operated in the United States and not in some other country, then it would be a phenomenon, but not a law. A law means that it's consistent for everybody on the planet. It's the same for everyone and it's always that way. While gravity doesn't just spike every once in a while, Occasionally, you'll see things that might make you think that. A few years ago, a plane was landing in Colorado Springs. As it was making a turn to come into land, all of a sudden, it accelerated and just dove into the ground. It made a crater, and the largest piece of the plane they could find was one or two-foot square. It just exploded, and everyone was killed. The investigators did about four years' worth of research but never did find a pilot error or mechanical reason for the crash. However, neither did they say, gravity just increased 10 times and all of a sudden made the plane crash like that. No, they didn't even consider that a possibility because gravity is a law, it's consistent. They didn't say the law of thrust and lift just ceased to operate. No, it's a law, it always operates that way. If you're ever going to have an efficient, effective, powerful relationship with God, you must break out of this mindset that God is inconsistent. You must get out of this thinking that says, sometimes God wills to do this, and sometimes He wills to do that. You never know what kind of mood God is in. He might heal this one, but not the other. He may want them to suffer that way the rest of their life. That's not how God is. And it isn't the way his kingdom operates. God is the one who created the heaven and the earth. It's so orderly and systematic that you can go back five years or even 5,000 years and find out exactly where Mars, Jupiter, and all the other planets were. Everything is like clockwork, perfect and consistent. You can accurately project when an eclipse will occur because it's so predictable. I'm amazed how people can think that God, who created such order in the universe, would do things sporadically and haphazardly in our lives. Order didn't come from chaos. God himself is orderly. He created laws, both natural and spiritual. God himself is consistent and predictable because he operates by his own spiritual laws. You need to find out what his spiritual laws are. Then, once you do, take your authority as a believer and enforce those laws. If you're ignorant of God's word, then you won't be very effective in releasing your authority because Satan will just talk you out of it.
0: You know, one of the keys of knowing how the law of faith works, you know, where does faith come from? It comes from the word of God. You know, a lot of times we marvel that, you know, how do I say this? There's something that Andrew said here that you know. Sometimes we don't know how exactly how God's gonna act. Maybe He wants this person well. He just wants that person well. Maybe He wants to, that person to suffer to teach him a lesson. And that's a lot of how, how a lot of people have religiously explained why some things happen and something don't happen. But that's not what the Word of God teaches. And so. You know, if you don't know what the Word of God teaches, you're going to come up with your own conclusions of why God does this or why God does that. It's important that we know the Word of God. It's important that we know the nature of God and what He's like. Because there's some religious teachings out there that they're not consistent with the Word of God. And therefore we think they're, you know, so it, it, it makes almost like it makes it sound like God is wishy-washy. One day He'll do one thing, another thing another way He'll do another thing. You know, that's not how God operates. (coughs) God is very... I like how Andrew brought out, you know, even the solar system and and whatnot. God is very systematic about a lot of things. How he made the seasons, how he made the planets, and how they orbit and eclipse and and comets and all these other different things. God is a very orderly, systematic God. And so... um, He has laws in place. He has natural laws in place. He has spiritual laws in place. And sometimes some of our religious thinking and and belief systems and doctrine is is inconsistent with the nature of God. It's inconsistent with the Word of God. And then we want to put faith in something that's totally inconsistent with God and His Word. And then we're frustrated why it's not working and why we shouldn't have to pick and choose how God is going to work. We we can know, that we know, that we know, that we know how God is going to work, because His Word says it, and we can have faith in His Word, and His Word will work the same way everywhere, for everybody everywhere, every time. It's as simple and as complicated as that, and, you know, we, get, we let our theology get in the way, instead of letting the Word of God get in the way of the way we think. As a man thinketh, so is he, it says in Proverbs, I think, 18.21. I might have the reference wrong, but I know it's Proverbs. But it's just, uh, you know, uh, we need, as many of our, Jesus said it this way, by your traditions you make the word of God of no effect. Some of our religious traditions uh, totally nullify God's word. And that, it's not God's fault, it's our traditions that make the word of God of no effect. We need to let the word of God get away of our theology at times, and our doctrine, and what we believe. Um, and so, and that, it's not because God's the problem, we're the problem. And we, I, I, we've been trained wrong, taught wrong, believed wrong, whatever the case may be. And the law of faith is actually working in an opposite direction as it should be. <laughs> you know, it's just not, we wonder why it's not working. Well, we haven't turned the key on, we haven't cooperated with the law of faith of God's Word. But if we do understand it, we will become a student of God's Word, be discipled. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so, anyway, I could I could go and elaborate on that quite a bit. but. Uh,
1: and, you know, if you don't know someone, if you don't know God's Word, what do you have to base on who He is? Your experience? You know, I've run into... Or your
0: parents or someone else's experience? Exactly. Or your pastor's experience? your pastor's
1: experience... lot a lot of times we believe something because of something that's happened in our own lives or in other people's lives or what we observe but we might not know the facts and a lot of people because of that reasoning uh, it could even be a, a parent that's abused them other people in their lives that have hurt them so they tar everybody with the same brush, and so they think if mankind's like this to me, that means God's like that to me, and and as well, a lot of people as a whole blame someone else or God for their problems or what has happened in their lives, and they're not seeing God for who He truly is. You know, to get to know someone. You need to be a part of their lives. You can't judge from a distance and think you know them. You really, really need to be in God's Word so you can know who He truly is. You know, Andrew and Dave have been talking about uh, God's Word, how He doesn't go back on His Word. And if He says it, it's a done deal. And yet, people doubt that God heals. They They think that he's out to get them. They think maybe he'll do this one day and maybe not the the other day. Maybe if you get him in a good mood, he'll answer your prayer. But all you need to do is have a relationship with God to know who he is. What does the Bible say about God? He's not this big. uh, There's a beautiful song that I grew up loving but it's the, the words kind of bug me because it's it's from a distance God looks at us. God watches us from a distance. And that's not true. He's very much involved, but he's kind of like a, a silent partner that's not going to push his way in unless you ask. Unless you're like, hey, you know, I want your thoughts on this. I I, I need to hear your heart on this. You know, what what's what's going on, you know, teach me, you know, Adam and Eve, before the fall, they walked with God, they had a relationship with God, and yet, people today, it's, sorry if I'm a little scattered, it says Dave's message, uh, recently, he's talking about salvation, and he's He's talking about what is eternal life? What is this everlasting life that is throughout, you know, Jesus' teaching? It is relationship with God. People think, oh, all I need to do is get to heaven. But relationship with God, that's the essence of salvation. You know, yes, heaven by all means. But relationship with God isn't just, you know, doing your own thing and just, Thinking he's going to watch you from a distance. Relationship with God. You know, how does a marriage work? We have a relationship. There's give and take. I do things for Dave because I love him. He does things for me because he loves me. Sometimes there's things we do we might not want to, but we know the other person is needing us to help in that moment. There is relationship. There's give and take. You know, Barry Bennett, one time, he's an instructor at Keras, he he made the comment that when he understood the, um, I'm sorry, I don't have the exact words quoted, but the main gist of it, he understood about his love for his wife wasn't just, you know, to to get, you know, whatever she could offer him uh, or vice versa. It was, he needed to give 100%. It wasn't 50-50% of, you know, the effort to put in. He realized that, no, he needs to give 100% for her. And, you know, relationship is a big deal when it comes to God and his word and understanding who we are. And I encourage you, when you get a chance to go in our archives and listen to Dave's message on what a great salvation we have. I think it would really help with, uh, with this teaching.
0: Let's continue on this doc. The next section here is ignorant of what God has been providing. We're gonna go into this direction now. So.
1: Back in the days when people still traveled across the Atlantic by ship, a man scraped together everything he had to buy a ticket to the United States. All he had left was just a tiny bit, little bit of money, with which he bought some crackers and cheese. For the entire month-long voyage across the Atlantic, all he had to eat were these crackers and cheese. He watched as all the other passengers feasted sumptuously on the daily bounty of food and drink in the dining room. However, he didn't have any money for food, so he just ate a little bit of his crackers and cheese. Towards the end of the voyage, one of the porters came up to this man and asked, "'Sir, I noticed that you have never joined us in the dining room. Was there something we've done that offended you? Why didn't you eat with us on this voyage?' The man answered, "'Oh, no, I'm not offended at all. I would have loved to have eaten with you. The food food looked so good, but I just didn't have any money left. All I had was enough to buy me some crackers and cheese.' Dumbfounded, the porter looked at this man and said, but didn't you realize that the meals came with the ticket? They were included in the price that you paid. This man was ignorant of what was rightfully his, and because of it, he did without. All that time, the truth was that he could have had daily dined sumptuously on anything he wanted at the feasts that were prepared throughout the whole entire trip. So many Christians are the same way. They are ignorant of the abundant life God has given us. Consequently, they live without enjoying many of the salvation benefits Jesus died on the cross to provide. Because they are unaware of what the the Word says, Satan has them convinced, You aren't really going to prosper. You'll just have barely enough to get by. Are you aware of what the Word promises you concerning prosperity? Deuteronomy 28:8 says that God has commanded His blessings upon all the work of your hands. Psalm 35, 27 reveals that God delights in the prosperity of His servants. If you don't know these spiritual laws, you won't enforce them. You won't demand Satan to quit stealing from you and to turn loose of your God-given provision. You won't experience what's rightfully yours in Christ. So in order for you to use your authority and experience God's blessings, you need to know what the spiritual laws are and what has been provided for you.
0: So this is an awesome section that we're getting into right now. Uh, you know, I'm starting this Sunday, like Sherry said, I've been teaching about uh, what, such a great salvation on Sunday mornings. I've been talking about the gift of salvation, the purpose of salvation, and the necessity for salvation. Starting next week, I'm going to be talking about the benefits of salvation. And I, I, I talked about already how the definition of salvation includes, just by definition, both the Hebrew and the Greek. The word uh, Yeshua in the, in the Hebrew and the word uh, Soteria and in the, in the Greek. So the word salvation means wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, and there's some other definitions as well. But you know, I like I love the story about this. Uh, um, this man who was traveling uh, in one of his old ships, <coughs> I forget what era this was or whatnot, but he he was just eating cheese and crackers because he didn't understand that uh, the meals were included with the fare that he paid for this voyage. And so he just uh, suffered uh, politely and, and understandably he just suffered uh, to eat cheese and crackers. When he could have had a whole meal each night and each day uh, as much as he wanted, and that was included with the family. He didn't know what he had. And so many people don't know what we have in this great salvation that we have. We have healing. We have prosperity, provision. You know, I did, uh, uh, last year, or a year before, I did uh, teaching them the seven names of God. He is El Shaddai. He is our provider. He is our healer. He is our banner. He is our peace. He's our righteousness. And <laughs> And some, excuse me, so many people are living far lower than what God has provided for them because they don't know what they have in Christ. They don't know what they have in salvation. We have heaven and we have a relationship with God, but we have so much more. And we're talking about the believer's authority. We're talking about law enforcement and the law of faith. And the law of faith will work for everybody, everywhere, every time. But we won't enforce the laws of God's kingdom if we don't even know what we have. We can command. God says in Isaiah that we can command of the, of, of, uh, the work of his hands. We can command. Uh, uh, um, I, I'm starting to chop this up. But we can command blessing on us. God said he's commanded blessing on us, on our storehouse. He's commanded us to be blessed. God's commanded it. Just like He commanded the sun to give light. Just like He commanded the trees to bear fruit. Just like He commanded every cell and every atom to do what He ordained it to do. God has commanded a blessing on us.
1: If you think that it's just going to happen even if you don't believe it, uh, you need to rethink that. We need to receive these gifts. You know, uh, Dave's message on salvation, it is a free gift of grace. Uh, Salvation is a free gift of of grace, but we need to receive it.
0: Believe it and receive it.
1: Believe it and receive it. And if we don't believe and receive uh, that God is blessing us, uh, you're not just going to... What you know? Sit on your couch and hold out your well, it's hand. Or like
0: the man with the uh, just eating the cheese and crackers when he could have had a buffet every night, you know, uh, yeah. a full course meal.
1: You know, yeah. when 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 Dave gives me a gift, he he doesn't just um, throw it in my face to say, "Here, I got you a gift. Open it and and demand I do it." No, he he's like, "Here's the gift. I have to reach out." And receive it I have to believe that that actually is a gift and yes it's a natural thing so I see it in with my eyes that he did indeed give me a gift but he's not gonna stand there just holding it like this I have to actually take it unwrap the box or take the tissue out of the bag and pull out the gift so that I can see what it is and use it or enjoy it Same with God's blessings and salvation. We have to believe that it's provided and receive it.
0: Yeah, and so, uh, you know, we have to understand how the kingdom of God works. God has provided so much freely. We don't have to earn it, but we do have to receive it. We do have to believe it and receive it by faith. Uh, That's just how it works. By grace you are saved through faith. And the word saved, so, I already defined it in the Greek and the Hebrew for you. But in the Greek, as we're reading from Ephesians, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9 says that by faith, by grace, you are saved through faith. We're saved. The word saved means wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance. And the same way that you receive forgiveness of sins is the same way that you receive healing, prosperity, and whatnot. You put faith in His grace. Okay, now, does that mean money's just going to come out of a tree? We're, we're talking about provision? No. I'm going to be talking about this in, in the next few weeks on Sunday mornings. But, let's say point time, he says he will bless the work of our hands. He says it in Psalm, uh, Psalm 90, verse 17, he will bless the work of our hands. <coughs> he said it in the verse that Andrew just quoted from in Deuteronomy chapter eight and 28, chapter 28. I don't have the reference for you. I think it's verse 14, but I might be off on the verse but he said he's com- uh, he will bless the work of our hands. He quoted part of it here. He says, I commanded the, his blessing upon all the works of your hands. And, I, you know, I, we have a business, and it's taken off. And God will bless the work of our hands. We're going to bless our field. We're going to bless our hands. God's already blessed it. He will give you power to get wealth, he said, so that he can establish his covenant on the earth as he swore to our forefathers. God you know God blessing the work of our hands God us God, God blessing us and, and giving us the power to get wealth is God keeping his covenant with us he's made a, we have a covenant relationship with God David knew God David was very establishing God's covenant that when he saw Goliath on the scene he said out there, this uncircumcised Philistines defy the army of living God. He says, the day I will give your carcass and the carcass of the whole Philistine army to the, the, the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. How did he know that? Because he knew his covenant relationship with God. He, he will bless those who bless you and he will curse those who curse you. You know, it's, it's not a wise thing to curse a believer. Because when you curse a, a believer, you are just cursing yourself. Because he says he will bless those who bless you and he will curse those who curse you. If you're struggling financially, you know one of the best things you can do? Bless someone who's a believer. Bless them. Because he says he will bless those who bless, who bless you. And so that's one of the wisest things to do. is bless them. You know, I, we have a long story about this. I'm not going to go into all detail with it. But when we lost everything in 2009, between 2009 and 2013... There was many times we were looking for jobs, we were doing this and that, but we just started working volunteer. We were like, Lord, you said you would bless the work of our hands, we're going to get busy. And we, you know, we didn't understand everything we understand now, but we understood enough that we were not going to be idle. We were going to do stuff, we volunteered at churches, we volunteered in our community, we volunteered with our family and friends, and we did stuff. And we were, God blessed the work of our hands, God supernaturally sustained us. For five years without our income, without a paycheck, for five years, God provided for us. That's awesome. We have it better now than we had it then. But at the same point in time, praise God, He sustained us for five years when we didn't have a dime to our name. And God kept us when we trusted Him. He was our provider and He helped us. I don't think that was God's perfect will to be in that season. But at the same point in time, we didn't know what we knew now. And <coughs> but we chose to trust God with what we knew and we, he blessed the work of our hands and we were blessing people. We were blessing churches. We were blessing different things. And God says he will bless those who bless you. I did know that and God did bless us.
1: And I like Dave's point. We have a part to play. Yes. You know, we can't, I, like, you know, I said a little bit ago, we can't just sit back on that on the couch and expect it to come. We need to do something. You know, Dave mentioned our business. God's sending business our way by putting in people's hearts to, to contact us but we have to reach out for the phone and answer it. We have to do the work of the business we can't just be like cool God blessed our business yay no we have to work at it. We we have to do what what our business entails you know and we can't it's, it's not a sit back uh, Mentality with God's blessing. Dave quoted the verse: "God has blessed us to be a blessing." We we don't just take 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 the blessing; we do something with it. So we didn't have uh, money during that season. Dave mentioned, but we did a lot. You know, we we uh, did chores around the house for my grandma. We cleaned yards. We organized garages for people. Uh, you name it, any volunteer work at church, we did uh, work in the community, just because, hey, we might not have money in our pocket, but but we have time and we have the energy to do something, and and not just, you know, sit on the couch and and watch TV, uh, which would drive us bananas anyways, but um, you know, there's Even believers out there who think that God will take care of them and bless them but they won't do anything they won't go out and get a job they won't provide for their family they won't occupy and and, uh, what's that verse that you quote uh, occupy until he comes Um, there's we need to know and believe so that we can receive and do something with it
0: you know, even this business is starting to take off, but you know, I we spent a lot of time—not just answering the phone—that's part of the big work right now. But there was a lot of marketing involved. There was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to someone this week about, uh, about helping me with have some professional things I need help with, and I almost just broke down in tears because—and uh, and happy tears—was like, you know, I know we work hard in this, and it's been—you know—we've also talked with others who who. Um, are intrigued about our business, but they don't want to get their hand, they want something that's easy. They don't want something that, that's lucrative, yes, but they want something that is just almost like a get-rich-quick program. And this business can be lucrative, but it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come cheap. It, it came with a lot of sweat and tears and, 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 and whatnot to, to get to where we are. And uh, we got a lot of seed in the ground, and we're expecting a great harvest. And not just because we worked hard, even though there was a lot of that and, and, and uh, sweat and, <coughs> and grind. Excuse me, sweat and, sweat and grime put into it. But we're not going to be blessed because of what we did. We're going to be blessed because God will bless the work of our hands. We have a part to play in that too. Yes, but we're not boasting in what we've done. We're boasting in God's grace and ability to get wealth. God gives us the grace, the wisdom, the know-how, the strength to do what we can do. If it wasn't for G- God, we would not have gotten to where we are right now. I even made a comment this morning, you know. The only thing that sets us apart from the most wicked person on this planet is Jesus. I am no better than anyone else. The only thing that makes me better than some other people is Jesus. It's not me. It's Jesus. It's <laughs> The only thing that sets any of us apart, the only thing that keeps any of us from going crazy and doing weird and stupid sinful things, is Jesus. With well, He's the difference, okay? And God will bless the work of our hands. He can't bless us if we're just being a couch potato. But He will bless the work of our hands. And we got busy, and at the t- and there was five years where the only currency we had was our time, and so we used our time. We were in the Word a lot. We were applying for jobs left and right. I mean, I I applied for hundreds of jobs. I was part of 30 temp agencies, and I could not get an interview. I applied at so many McDonald's and Taco Bells and whatnot trying to get a job, I couldn't land an interview, but I had time, and I got volunteer work, and I was able to roll up my sleeves and say, you know what? Okay, if you can't pay me, still put me to work, and let me do something. I am not going to be idle. And so that's what we did.
1: And, and, you know, for one year, and we're not proud of this, but in one of those years, we went on food stamps. And to, uh, to be a part of the program, at least then, I, don't, I didn't understand it, uh, how it worked before we did it. I didn't understand how it worked during the year we did it. I still don't understand how that program works because it was very confusing but one of the things that they asked of Dave and I to be able to participate in this was that we would have volunteer hours for uh, them and um, there was a couple different places they asked us to go to Uh, I think there was a a church in the community that that we helped clean Uh, there was even in the, the actual food stamp government office there was office work to do these people uh, we drove them nuts because they were not used to people like us saying okay what's next i'm done with this task what's next i i clean this what's next and they and i mean their faces they were like what the heck who are you you're like aliens or something because nobody works like you
0: or you don't belong here or you don't
1: you don't belong here and we're like look if you're saying to be able to be part of this program, I need to work. Give me something to do. It's driving me nuts not having anything to do. And you know, we we went above and beyond not because we were prideful. It's just God has blessed us uh, in more than just finances. At the time, we you know we were didn't have jobs. We didn't have the finances. But he's given us natural abilities, he's given us the strength to be able to, to do things. We have believed from the beginning that God has blessed us to be a blessing. Even before a lot of the revelation that Dave and I have now, we knew that we were blessed to be a blessing. If we have a job, whether it be paid or volunteer, we are gonna work at it with all of our heart. And so that's what we did and uh, we don't know any other way to do it than to do what God has asked us to do. Be faithful in in whatever He sets before us, and we know that God is a God that blesses. His word is chock full of verses that prove it right and left. But He also asks us to have a part to play in it.
0: We well, can't bless nothing, you know. Nothing times something equals nothing, <laughs> you know, and I know that just sounds funny the way I said that, but, you know, put your hand to do something, and God will bless it. Um, let's read one more little section. I know we're basically almost out of time, but this confidence we have.
1: <coughs> just yesterday, a mutual friend coerced me to pray for a certain woman with arthritis. I tried to get her to a place of faith by telling her about all the different people I had personally seen healed of arthritis and that arthritis was no problem for God. She just looked at me and said, I believe that God can heal, but I don't believe that you can heal. Of course it's God's power, not mine, but he has given me the authority to use it. Not understanding this, she was immediately put off and began resisting how I was trying to minister to her. Then she stated, It all depends upon whether or not it's God's will to heal me. She believed God could do it, but not that healing is a law, something He's already done. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, God has already healed every person who will ever be healed. By the stripes Jesus took across His back 2,000 years ago, we were, past tense, Healed, 1 Peter 2.24 God isn't healing people right now. He did his part a long time ago. The law was passed and now healing belongs to us. Still, it's up to us as believers to know what God's will is and command it to come to pass. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth, he if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This confidence that we have, if we ask anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then we know we have these petitions. The whole thing hinges on what is God's will. Some people say, Well, you never know what God's will is. That kind of thought undermines this whole principle. If you think that God just sometimes wills for a person to be saved, healed, or prospered, and sometimes doesn't, then you don't know what God's will is. If you think God is totally unpredictable, then you'll never use your authority effectively because you aren't sure what the laws are.
0: And this is where a lot of people, I think, get messed up. You know, uh, like you said in this last paragraph, uh, you can never know God's will. Well, if you can never know God's will, I mean, is this not God's will? <laughs> I mean, is this just a, maybe it's true, maybe it's not? Is this a, a fictional book? Is this a, a tall tale? Or is this the Word of God? You know, we're called believers because we believe. And God is faithful. He said He honors His word above His name, and we can know the will of God. God is not a respecter of people; He's a respecter of His word, and He will respect. And we can know God. We can know His word. We can have a relationship with God. He says, "My sheep know My voice." We can know the will of God, and we there are some things I do know that by His stripes we were healed. First Peter two twenty four. And I can give you many other scriptures on that. I'm going to be teaching on that very shortly. <coughs> Excuse me, here on Sunday mornings, starting next week, I'm going to get into some of this stuff. And so, um, you know, it just we can know God's will. There's some things I might, I might not know exactly what day Jesus is coming back, but I do. <coughs> Excuse me, I do know He's coming back. I do know it's God's will that everybody be saved. Is everybody saved? No, because not everybody has received Jesus. Is it available to everybody? Yes. But people have a free will. If they don't have a free will, then it's not love. You God's not gonna make someone get saved. That's not love to make someone to do anything. Okay? And so um, you know, I know that God's will for, for for us to be healed. I know it's God's will for us to be prosperous. I can tell you, give you tons of scriptures. I can be giving you a load of them in a few weeks on Sunday mornings. Okay? Is everyone is everyone saved? No. Is everyone healed? No. Is everyone prosperous? now? Because not everyone believes them. And when you say you can't know God's will, sometimes you want to do this and that. God tells me you don't even believe it. I mean, I'm not putting you down, but you don't even believe it. You you think God is unpredictable. Who wants to serve a God who's not predictable? How can you have faith in that? How can you have faith in a God that you don't even know if he's predictable or not? You can't have faith in that. Sometimes he works, sometimes he doesn't. It's like rubbing a gin... I mean, you almost can have more faith in rubbing a genie, a bottle, and and, and different things. Some of us have more faith in Satan than we do God. We know that Satan's going to kill, steal, destroy, but God may do this and may do that, but we know Satan's going to kill. You have more faith in the devil than you do God. Something's amiss here, folks. We can trust God. We can trust his word. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. And sometimes we get messed up because we don't understand the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. We are in a better covenant. We are in a new covenant. And how God dealt with things before the cross is different than how he dealt with things after the cross. It's a big difference, okay? And so and Paul talks about this in Corinthians, that veil lies over our hearts, blinding us from the truth. And so I'm not saying these things that upset us, I'm saying these things. We need to know what we have. We can have, the title of the section was, we're ignorant of what's been provided, are uh, actually the confidence we have. We can have so much confidence in God's word. But when we don't have confidence in the will of God, when we do pray, when we do try to use our authority, it's not going to work. Why? Because there's no faith there. Another word for faith is confidence. It's assurance. It's reliance on something. But if you're not confident, it's going to work. That's not faith. That's unbelief. And unbelief is that one sin. Unbelief is the one sin that kept Israel out of the promised land. Read Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. And even in the Bible. The one sin that God called rebellion was the sin of unbelief that kept Israel out of the promised land. And it's in that, in chapter (coughs) 2, he says, excuse me how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? We have an awesome God and we have an awesome covenant relationship with God. We have an awesome sonship and we're we're children of God and we have authority to, to... We can demand God's word to be fulfilled. We can command our circumstances to line up to the word of God. Your circumstances can change. The word of God will never change, and if your circumstances are different than the word of God, guess which one has to change. The circumstances have to change. I'm not. My circumstances are not dictating how my life will go. No, my circumstances are not lining up with the word of God. I have the authority to, with the, based on the word of God, to command my circumstances to change. I can command it by the word of God. God has given me the authority to use his word in that fashion. I can't use his word in the fashion that his word has not said. I can't tell God to go kill somebody. I had an argument with someone on the Facebook the other day about Russians, and he's like, God's going to murder all these Russians. And I'm like, you know what? You're out of line, man. That is not the word of God. God is not going to, first of all, God's not going to commit evil, God's not going to murder anybody. Okay? And so that's not the will of God, and that that's, that prayer is not going to get answered. You know, he's still adamant. And I finally just have uh, him and moved on. But you know, it just uh, uh, um, that, that that's not going to work. But I can know what I do know is that God wants everyone to get saved. God wants everyone to get healed. God wants everyone to be blessed. And I can speak that. Will everyone walk in, in 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 salvation and healing and prosperity? No. Because not everybody believes it. Not everybody will receive it. And, uh, and so I can't force them to believe it, you know. And just like I can't, you know, this guy who ate cheese and crackers on this whole voyage. Because he didn't know that the meals were included with the fare. And a lot of people who are settling for so little. It's like a bunch of ducks sitting in a muddy pond. When just on the other side of the hill, there's a, there's a big, beautiful lake or ocean. You know, some of us are settling for the muddy pond, the murky, muddy pond, instead of settling for the, the, the nice, beautiful ocean and lake that God has prepared for us.
1: Amen. Wow. That bumped me up. You know, there's so many verses that prove over and over and over how good God is and how he provides for us. And for people to think, anytime that Dave and I sound like we're getting on someone or pointing fingers, we have been in the other shoes. So don't think we're getting on anyone and not taking it. Dave and I have, yes, we have a relationship with God, but we didn't know everything that we knew now. There was t- times years ago that I I didn't believe that healing was for everybody. I grew up believing that God healed, but I couldn't understand why this person was healed and that person wasn't. I could not I just I could not rectify the fact in my head. And yet there if you read the Bible and know God's word, then you know without a shadow of a doubt That God healed when Jesus took those stripes on his back. And that we have healing today provided for by Jesus. He paid for it in full. And for people to think he does or does not, depending on if he feels like it or not, they're thinking, well, maybe it's God's will, maybe it's not. Then you don't know God's will. You don't know his heart. But if you have a relationship with God, and you are in God's word, you will know the will of God. There's verses to prove how much God loves it. Like I, you can't even probably count how many verses that God has shown that He loves us all, that has provided for us, for all of us salvation and healing. And there are multiple, multiple verses that says that we can know His will. How do we know God's will? How do how do you know that the the God of the universe's will for for us? You know, here's Romans twelve uh, verses one and two. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God are the transformation of our minds is being in God's word and trusting and believing uh, what God has for us. Our minds are, are not going to be re- renewed and transformed if we're not hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're not going to know God's will if we don't know Him, if we're not in His word. But He says right there that we will know His will. Ooh, Dave got me so pumped up. Now I'm, I gotta rein myself back in. Um, I know it's, we're out of time, but I do want to leave you uh, with this verse. Brethren, or Beloved, I pray for that you prosper, that your soul, pro- um,
0: 3 John, John
1: verse 2, Beloved, I pray for you that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Your soul will prosper when you have relationship with God and you are in his word.
0: Amen. Well, we are out of time and uh, we're going to wrap this in uh, a closing up. Let me just say this. You will never know the word of God if you don't spend time with a relationship with God and his word. And so uh, there's just no other way to do that. Okay. And so uh, and so anyway, we're out of time. We will see you next Sunday morning. And I continue my teaching again on such a great salvation. As we're going to be talking about the benefits of salvation. And, uh, and so I'm excited about that. But anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great week.